Welcome to the Sober and Happy Podcast, where we talk about all things recovery related, how to navigate the challenges that we will face along the way on our journey towards our best lives, and how we could go from living a life of simply just being sober to a life where we are both sober and happy. In this episode, I want to talk about how our identities based on our past is often holding us back from our greatest potential in recovery and life. So much of our identity when we get sober is based on what we think we are not capable of achieving. We start picking up limitations when we are young from people and experiences in life. Maybe we are told we are not smart enough, not talented enough, or a troublemaker, or that we are never going to amount to anything. Then as life goes on, we find ways to strengthen that identity and even defend it sometimes to the point that we become addicted to our perceived limitations. We will discuss here how to identify the old identities that are holding us back, how to break the behavior cycle that keeps us there, and how to step into our infinite potential. So buckle up. This is going to be a great episode. We choose how we act based on what we believe will give us safety, happiness, stability, and love. Something good happens to us, and we decide that we're going to keep acting a certain way to try to recreate that feeling in the future. When we go through something painful, we decide that we don't want it to ever happen again, and we choose behaviors to try to prevent it. Then we repeat those patterns over and over, and that is how we create our identity. The challenge is, once we create that identity and it stops working for us, our behaviors are so ingrained from doing them so many times, we often don't realize that what once worked for us may no longer work. But rather than reevaluating, we fight harder to protect that identity. We must challenge our old beliefs so that we could reimagine our future. There's a story I heard that I want to share that is a great example of what this is like. In Bangkok, there is a golden statue of the Buddha that stands over nine feet tall, weighs five and a half tons, and is valued at approximately 250 million in just its weight in gold. For over 200 years, the monks in that monastery had no idea of the true value of this Buddha as it was covered in plaster, clay, and broken chunks of glass. In the mid-1700s, the Burmese army was invading Thailand, and the monks knew the soldiers would soon reach their monastery. To mask the value of the Golden Buddha, the monks quickly covered it in plaster that they had painted and inlaid it with pieces of broken glass, making the statue appear to have almost no value at all to the invading army. During this invasion, the Golden Buddha was left undiscovered due to the cover-up by the monks, but sadly, all the monks were killed in the invasion, leaving no one aware of the statue that was hidden under the clay. 200 years passed until the entire monastery was in the process of being relocated. While attempting to move this giant clay Buddha, one of the pieces of plaster cracked, and one of the monks noticed gold shining through the crack. The monk used a hammer and chisel and kept chipping away until he revealed that the statue was actually made of gold, and the true value of the golden Buddha was once again rediscovered. We each have a golden Buddha that lives inside each of us. However, over the years, we have begun covering it in clay to disguise its beauty. It could be from trauma that we experience, the stories that we tell ourselves, or perceived failures in life. 
Much of it is from the limiting thinking and unconscious conditioning that has been taught to us. Other layers are added on by external influences. Throughout time, we just kept layering on clay until most of us forgot that the Buddha was there anymore. We must start chipping away and rediscovering things about ourselves that we are passionate about. We need to find that fun, creative, playful version of ourselves that got hardened with life experiences. Over time, we simply forgot who we really were. We were born into perfection and then seduced into average by the programming of our bringing up, society, things that happen to us, and people who insist on bringing us down to their level so they don't have to do what's necessary to build themselves up. We pick up fears, doubts, and false beliefs about ourselves. We get wounded through trauma and we lose our connection with the brave, playful, creative soul that we are born into and we forget who we really are. Instead, we create stories of our limitations and we create our identity based on a lifetime of excuses, based on our beliefs that we can't rise above our current circumstances and who we are capable of being in the world. We then repeat that story so many times we end up believing it so strongly that we defend it any time we start to rise above it. We often fight harder for our perceived limitations than we fight for our unlimited potential. I think we often do this because if we acknowledge the great potential we continue to leave untapped, then we are admitting that we are capable of so much more than we are living right now. It is easier to blame our current circumstances on outside influences. What happened to us is not the problem. It is that we fight harder to defend false beliefs that hold us back than we try to achieve our greatness. When we get sober, the models set up for recovery often defend these limitations on our abilities rather than putting us back in touch with that brave, creative soul that knows that we could do anything. We are told we are powerless and need something outside of ourselves to stay sober. We are told that our addictions are a life sentence that must be served one day at a time. We are told that we are not capable of dating in the first year, we aren't strong enough to be around alcohol without support, that the world is a dangerous place, and so many of the other rules and limitations that are put on us just to survive. When I first got sober, that worked for me because I was simply in survivor mode, so I picked up the survivor identity. But I found a life based on simply surviving was not a fulfilling one. So I decided I wanted to live a life where I thrive beyond everything I once thought was not possible and that new identity was born. We settle for average rather than what we're capable of. I often get pushback when I tell people that settling for average is setting themselves up for failure. Many people will tell me, but Tim, I like living a simple life. Simple and average is not the same thing. I'm not basing my average comment on someone's net worth or society's various definitions of what success is. I am talking about average based on what you want and what you are capable of within your vision of your hopes and dreams. I'm talking about not chasing your dreams, settling for less because of fear or because someone else tells you something can't be accomplished. Average is failing to follow your heart. Average is settling. For example, one of my uncles was an inventor. I looked up to this man and wanted to be like him. I was always coming up with inventions when I was a kid and imagining one day I would be a great inventor like him. In one of these creative brainstorms, I came up with a new idea for a toothbrush. It would be curved to better get to the back teeth and would have a spring-like hinge so it was softer on people who had sensitive gums like I had. 
I remember telling my mom about this great idea and being really excited about a toothbrush that I felt would revolutionize the world. My mom quickly shot down the idea, telling me that no one would want to pay extra for a fancy toothbrush. Years later, when the Reach toothbrush came out, we both realized she was wrong. My mom wasn't intentionally being mean or discouraging by telling me that. There is no malice in her comments. She was likely trying to protect me from the rejection she was certain I would receive if I took a chance and chased my idea of creating a fancy toothbrush. However, what it did was have a great effect on me. It set a limiting belief that my ideas aren't good enough, no one would like them, and it was just better to play it safe rather than taking a chance on something I was excited about. These were likely limiting beliefs that were passed on to her by someone influential in her life who also had those beliefs passed on to them. Most limiting beliefs are generational, and we're not even aware that we're picking them up along the way. I also had the bar in school set for me that Caesar better was completely acceptable. Anything better didn't seem to matter, and anything worse I got grounded. So I set my abilities at getting C's and figured it just wasn't worth trying to get any better. That is what I'm talking about when I say settling for average. I was capable of so much more in school, but the bar was set for me and I didn't try to do any better. It took the intervention of one teacher in high school that recognized I was capable of more to push me when I thought simply deciding to go to college was enough to consider myself a success. His name was Mr. Dyson. I thought I would just skate through college as I did in high school, barely passing, and eventually would get a degree. I no longer have the yearbook, so I'm going to paraphrase what he said, but basically he told me that I have so much potential and that for some reason I'm settling on just being average, that I have two choices in college. I could either try to be average and piss away my potential, or I could try to be something more. He said my behavior up to that point shows that I'll continue to not try and will likely fail in college, but he knows I'm easily capable of succeeding if I just try. What he wrote made me angry. But what he did was to be the first person to really rock the boat of mediocrity that I got on at some point growing up. I think most of my success in college could be attributed to proving him wrong. And once I created the new identity and started living it, other people that supported that, rather than trying to hold me back, started appearing in my life. People gravitate towards others like them. So when you start living as your new identity, you will naturally have people who support that start appearing in your life. I am not criticizing my mom. She was trying to protect me from disappointment and passing on limiting beliefs based on the way she was parented. She still remembers that reach toothbrush story and regrets it. But she has grown from that, recognized she was better than average herself, and raised the bar on the type of parent she could be. Today, she is one of my biggest supporters of my dreams and encourages me to reach for my highest potential. It is your choice to allow parts of your past to become who you are. Once you allow them to just be events and not your identity, that is where they no longer have power on you. Most of our excuses are not statements of truth. They are just justifications to make us feel better about being where we are when we know in our hearts that we could do so much better. Every time we choose to make an excuse, we are choosing to give away our own power in exchange for a life of mediocrity. However, Every time we clear out an excuse in our lives, we make room for an opportunity. And those opportunities are what put us on a path towards our best destiny. So how do we recognize these lifelong patterns and break them? There's a saying that I hear Tony Robbins repeat that 
Brain cells that wire together, fire together. Think about the things you tell yourself on a regular basis and see if you're getting results that match them. For example, I want to get sober, but it is too hard. Every time I lose weight, I always put it back on. Every time I put together a little sobriety, something happens and I end up relapsing. Every time I get into a relationship, I always screw it up or get hurt. When you do this, your brain automatically wires those two statements together. And when you think of the first part of what you're trying to achieve, it automatically is going to remind you of the failure statement you have linked to it. So no matter how good you are doing, you're going to have that reminder that eventually you're going to fail. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. To change this, we must shift our mindset from being powerless victims to someone who is going to take control of the outcomes in our lives. To do this, start by writing out all the failure statements that come to your mind. Put the event in the first column and the negative outcome in the second one. For this, we will use the example, when I get sober, something happens and I always end up relapsing. The next step is to completely cross out the second column. Don't just draw a line through it where you can still see what it says. That leaves the possibility still there. We're taking the first step at eliminating that association in our brain, so it needs to be completely removed. I like doing this on a whiteboard so I could erase it from existence. If you're doing this on a piece of paper, scribble those words out until you cannot see a single letter of that statement coming through. The next step is where you really take your power back. In that third column, write a new empowering statement that replaces that now removed second column. Do this in the present tense, like it already is a fact and not something that is going to happen in the future. For example, instead of saying, I'm not going to relapse, write something like, I won't relapse no matter what life throws at me. So now we have changed the statement, when I get sober, something happens and I always end up relapsing, into, when I get sober, I won't relapse no matter what life throws at me. Do this for every statement and read them out loud. Add reading the new empowering statements to part of your day. When you catch yourself reverting to the old association, immediately say the new one. Anytime you find a new negative association, go through this process with that one and add the new empowering statement to your list. As you do this, you will rewire your brain. And since brain cells that wire together fire together, you will recreate your self-fulfilling prophecy into one that sets you up for success rather than failure. Of course, taking actions as a new version of yourself is going to be key to this new change. But these new associations is a first step to stepping into your new identity. If you're having struggles coming up with these new empowering statements in the third column, ask yourself some of the following questions. What do you want to be? What is the bar you want to set for yourself? Are you reaching for that bar? Whatever you do, ask yourself what is your potential and measure yourself to that. Don't base your potential on what others are doing or say that you could achieve. This is personal to you. You're probably underselling your own potential. So to stretch your true abilities, set it even a little higher. Don't settle for average. You will never feel happy and fulfilled if you do. Whatever you aspire to be, push yourself so that you could realize your full potential. And in that, you will naturally grow into your new, beautiful, strong, empowering identity. And then nothing will be able to hold you back.
That is what I want for you. I want you to achieve greatness, whatever that personally means to you. And I hope this episode has helped you get a glimpse of what that is and how to start moving towards that. If it did, please share it with someone else you think it might help. When you do that, it helps my podcast become more accessible to others so that more people can join us on this amazing journey. I'm doing this because I know a lot of people are struggling in their recovery, and I want to help as many people as I can, and that it's only possible with your help. New episodes come out each Friday, so I look forward to connecting with you next week. And as always, thank you for listening, and keep living sober and happy.